It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show Tuesday edition. Every Tuesday, we do our two-minute warning. We're taking your questions, covering every division in the NFL for at least two minutes. We like to go over. Uh, Matt and I do tend to get a little bit long-winded at times, and we'll review what we saw Monday Night Football with the Patriots and Jets. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. At BD Peacock is where you can find me on Twitter. At Williamson NFL is where you can find my co-host, Matt Williamson, who is a must-follow. Let's get this Monday Night Football game out of the way first, Matt, before we dip into the questions. We do have some good ones covering the entire league just about. And it was... (laughs) Uh, it was a, such Crazy, a yeah. such a Jets game, but it was a fun game. I'm glad that that was a fun primetime game in, in what looked like it could be a snoozer with two combined wins with the Patriots and the Jets coming in. The Pats hold on with a field goal late, the Nick Folk revenge field goal. 30-27, Patriots come back to beat the Jets. It reminded me a little bit of, of like Dallas-Pittsburgh, where one of these bottom-feeding teams has a good showing, hangs around to the very end, plays their best game of the year, loses, and the fan base kind of wins on both regards then. You know, you you didn't give up the first (laughs) overall pick. You're still in the driver's seat for Lawrence, but you showed signs of life. You know, guys like Mims and Perryman played well and showed some promise. Frankly, Flacco, I thought, played really well. Flacco's the story of the whole game. It has to be, right? Yeah, it has to be. And uh, the Patriots don't rush the passer for crap, but I mean, and that's a huge deal with Flacco, but he made some throws like he was, you know, a 28 year old dude or guy who watched at Audubon High School way back when. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I thought that was interesting. And the Patriots, the other story here to me is they had the ball like the entire second half and just wore this team out. 
And Jacoby Myers is a guy, 12 catches for 169. Uh, I mean, some of these games, like the Jets, I mean, the Jets don't have much talent. So the longer the game goes, the less chance they have to stay in it. And the Patriots use that formula beautifully in the second half, just you know, controlling the clock. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and really, when you look at what and there was marquee players out. I was I was hoping to see some Darnold there, and and he ended up yeah. not being able to play after all. And Quinton Williams didn't even play for the Jets. Stephon Gilmore right. wasn't playing for the Patriots. It's like, geez, who's out there? But you know Mac that gives, went out of, as usual. And yeah. he's like one of the only good guys to watch, right? But that gives the opportunity for Joe Flacco to be like, hey, this guy can at least be your backup for a while somewhere, if if not in New York, and maybe he's the perfect guy to 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 be. And I don't know how good of a mentor he is, but. He seems like he's a little bit too competitive to be a mentor. I don't know about that, but um, I mean, and and there was there was uh, Jacoby Myers you mentioned yeah. who was making plays, and so there's opportunities for other players to make a name for themselves, even though some of the marquee names were out that we were hoping to see in this game. And it was a you know a good sign that multiple pass catchers making plays from Joe Flacco. He threw a, a dime to Crowder for a touchdown in the corner of the end zone. Nice throw to Perryman. Mims, you mentioned, making some plays there. So some things I think you can take away from a game like this and really a perfect outcome for Jets fans. And after the game, the Jets social media team put out a uh, a tweet that was like, I think it was just a heartbreak emoji. And then it had you know a graphic of the final score of the game. And it was pretty amazing to read the comments from Jets fans underneath it, celebrating like they had just won the Super Bowl, that they didn't accidentally win that football game. Right, <laughs> exactly. And I mentioned this game kind of remind me of Dallas-Pittsburgh from a Jets perspective, that they keep that pick. But it also kind of remind me of Giants-Washington in that there really wasn't very many good football players out on the field. Either. Yes, <laughs> yeah, but that made it <laughs> that made an exciting game and made it close, which I think was a good thing. Uh, here's, a, here's a nice stat here that illustrates the point you talked about with the Patriots owning the ball in the second half of the game. The Jets ran four plays for two yards in the entire fourth quarter. They had the ball for one minute and 24 seconds, according to ESPN stats and information. That's unbelievable. Wow. I didn't realize it was to that degree, but wow. So that's how uh, the Patriots were able to score 13 unanswered there in in the fourth. So the Jets are now 0-9, firmly in control of their destiny when it comes to the number one pick in the NFL draft. And uh, I think, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of jokes now. It's becoming absurd with the Jets trying, you know, tanking for Trevor Lawrence. And, and there was a lot of stuff where it was like, oh, man, maybe this is... Um, Bill Belichick's genius, not only trying to keep Trevor Lawrence out of the division by losing a game to the Jets, but maybe even trying to get in that conversation themselves as the Patriots. But no, that was not the case by the end of that game. Uh, But I want to use this, unless you have any more thoughts or notes on this game, I kind of want to use this to jump into our first question of our two-minute warning. Perfect. Because... very happy not talking about this game. Anymore. Okay. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought we probably didn't need to go too deep into that game. Uh, although, you know, it turned out to be a nice, fun football game fun for, for yeah. Monday night, which is good. So anytime we're not getting a sneaker, because we've had some matchups of some bad teams in primetime, especially on Thursday night football and, and a couple on Monday night as well. Uh, this one about Trevor Lawrence, and it's uh, from Joshua. He says, are there any teams with less than three wins who should not draft Trevor Lawrence if they have the opportunity? And he lists the Jets, the Washington football team, Cowboys, Giants, Bengals, Texans, Jaguars, and Chargers. And immediately, the Bengals just drafted Joe Burrow number one overall. So they would not be in the market there. And I don't think they're going to lose enough games anyway. And maybe this is just a foregone conclusion. It's going to be the Jets no matter what. The Texans have 
Deshaun Watson. They don't have a pick anyway. Their pick belongs to Houston, so that's not going to happen. And the Chargers have a quarterback that might even be playing better than Joe Burrow in Justin Herbert right now. So those teams you can throw out. They're, the Texans can't get the first overall pick because they don't own their first rounder anymore. And the Chargers and the Bengals probably feel ecstatic about having their guy and and wouldn't draft Lawrence if they have the opportunity. And those teams are in a nice position if they do draft really high to trade down and collect picks because they don't need that quarterback if a team wants to come up and get a quarterback Maybe if it's Justin Fields or Zach Wilson now making a name for himself is probably QB three, at least in this class out of BYU. So we'll take those out automatically. So I'll put it to you, Matt. Is there any is there any way, even if it's not the number one pick, let's say they're picking number two and they have their pick of the, the, their, their second favorite or who knows, maybe even their favorite quarterback in this draft class, Washington, Dallas, New York Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars. Is there any reason any Washington, of those teams should not Giants, draft a quarterback? Dallas Jags. Yes. I think no. And really, I think you, you laid it out well because, sure, the Jets could lose the first overall pick. I'm sitting here looking at the standings. The Jags are one in seven. Could they both end up one in 15 or two and 14? Possibly. These other two win teams to me, though, just seem so far out of the realm of where the Jets are right now. The Bengals, the Texans, the Chargers, Washington, Dallas, Giants, and that's it for two-win teams. Like, all those teams are going to win another game, in my opinion. Don't you agree? I mean, a lot of them play each other, and I don't know how the Jets could possibly get the three wins is where I'm going. (laughs) Yeah, so it's (laughs) – and the Jaguars, I think I I saw there's only one team on the rest of their schedule this season that's under 500, so the Jags are going to be there. If the Jets win a game, it might be Jets and Jags. It might be really coming down to just those two teams right now with how many uh, games the other – you know, basically if you have two wins, you might be out of the conversation here. So Jaguars, Jets – really have the most opportunity to end up with Trevor Lawrence and number one. But even if you open this question up to maybe the second or third quarterback in this draft, uh, the Cowboys, the Cowboys obviously have Dak and have that thing to figure out. And I think they'd be very smart now that they've seen what it looks like without Dak to do whatever deal they have to do with Dak and maybe even, you know, collect some draft picks then and move down if, if you can, or, or get a, a, a defensive player that's a difference maker right on that team and do as much as they can on that side of the ball and then be in really good shape potentially next year and be one of those worst to first type of, of stories for a team that might draft in the top five. The Giants interest me a lot because David Gettleman's not a guy who moves around in the draft a lot. I, I thought they, they were in a perfect spot to trade I think all of the last three drafts and they just don't do it. And so if the Giants aren't among the first couple of picks, they're not going to trade up for a quarterback, which makes me think they're tied to Daniel Jones at least one more season there. That That's the way it looks like it's going for New York Giants. Yeah, let's lay this out. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and predict the future, but you laid it out well with the Jags schedule. We watched the Jets last night. That was their best performance. They're already, what, 0-9? Oh mm-hmm. There's no way that they're going to be three and four the rest of the way. I mean, that's just important. So they're going to pick at the top two. I really think that almost no matter what, if we assume Jacksonville and the Jets pick two and one, I think the two quarterbacks come off the board, boom, boom. You know, Mariota Winston, Goff Wentz, I mean, that, that's not uncommon. So I think you might even be arguing for number three. You know, if Fields is gone and Lawrence is gone, Let's talk about those four teams. You know, Washington, to me, 
would definitely jump on one and maybe even trade up a few spots to two, three, whatever, to get a quarterback. I think that has to happen. And the good thing from that perspective is they've lost to the Giants twice. So one of their competitors is out of the way. They play Dallas. I don't think they've played Dallas yet. So those games could be very critical. Dallas, to me, is interesting. We Are you familiar with Rick Goslin? He's been covering the Cowboys yeah. in Texas forever. Yeah, he's the he guy that has our, always the best mock drafts, right? The best mock yeah, draft percentage. Yeah, like he's well-known for it. Very good in this. He's very uh, Hall of Fame-oriented. But he was on our Steeler Cowboy preview show last Thursday, and I was asking him about this. And he really thought that if they're in a Lawrence, you know, top three, top four situation, they would draft the quarterback and not pay Dak forty million. Use that money elsewhere. But he also said, and he and he flat out said, "I'm kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth." Jerry loves selling Dak Prescott jerseys, and I'm sure he'd sell the new quarterback jerseys too. But mm. he wants the marquee guys. And without question, to your point, Dak's stock is growing like crazy watching these other quarterbacks and what's happened to Dallas since he's left. So that one's the most interesting to me. I tend to think the Giants wouldn't. I think Jones has shown enough, or they think that he's shown enough, that he still has a chance. (sighs) That one's tough, though. I think I would pull the trigger if I were them. Maybe not on quarterback three, but on quarterback two. Yeah. I mean, would it take all the mystery out of it if the, the first three picks were Jets, Jags, Washington, they just go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. Yeah, right? probably as long as a, a yeah. third quarterback, because it's looking like Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence has solidified. You know, they 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 might be the top yeah. two picks in this draft, depending on which teams get those picks. It's the third Lance. quarterback. Is there going to be a third quarterback that's that high? And we've had drafts where we thought maybe quarterbacks were going to go higher, and they didn't. And again, it was the Giants who was that team that drafted a running back in there, which is a head scratcher to me looking back. Even though maybe the quarterback they would have drafted there wouldn't have been any better than Daniel Jones right now, but. Daniel Jones is the, I think with, with both Dallas and New York Giants, unless they get the first pick somehow, and it's Trevor Lawrence, I think they'll, they'll definitely not go the draft or quarterback route. Yes, I, I think you're probably right. All right, we need to move along to some more questions here coming up on this two-minute warning. We'll hit every division in the NFL. Peacock and Williamson. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, Fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I've talked about it before. I watch all day long football. It is my job, and I uh, take notes, and I watch every single game that I can, and then I go back later in the week, and watch every single bit of games that I missed and stuff that um, I want to go back and watch with the 49ers. So I need a lot of refreshment Sundays. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. Protecting your family is the number one priority, but if you want to do it safely, the people at Taser believe that safer self-defense is better self-defense. Taser's line of non-lethal self-protection devices are small and lightweight enough to carry with you or in your glove compartment or your purse or wherever you need to feel safe. 
yet while small, they're powerful enough to incapacitate an attacker. Guns carry unnecessary risks for you and those around you, and even pepper spray can harm you as much as an attacker, and it's often ineffective. Taser products are safer and easy to use. They use an electrical charge to immobilize attackers for up to 30 seconds, allowing you time to escape and send emergency dispatch to your GPS location. And Taser is available without a permit in most U.S. states. Get the Taser Pulse Plus or Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code NFL. Save 15% now at taser.com, promo code NFL, T-A-S-E-R.com. Again, promo code NFL. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Matt, one more note here. We'll, we'll jump into the uh, AFC East right now. One more note on the New York Jets, though, that I saw last night after the game. The Jets, points for, points against, and their overall uh, point differential this season is even worse than when they earned the overall number one pick from the 95 season that was in the 1996 draft when they drafted Keyshawn Johnson out of USC number one in 1996. They're actually performing worse, and this is the first time in franchise history that they've actually been 0-9. So we're talking about historically bad New York Jets teams who've had some bad teams (laughs) dating back, you know, 30 years. Oh, it's it's horrible. Wow. I mean, that's I guess it's not surprising. I mean, yesterday, if people haven't watched the Jets this year, it's not like they've been on prime time a lot. Right. And you just watched last night and thought this isn't so bad. People are overreacting with this team. No, we're not. That was a that was an anomaly. That was their Super Bowl. That was the Monday nighter where everyone's watching. That was their best effort. Nothing has been competitive for them. A bonus question from me to you, Matt. Did Joe Flacco playing well last night show the Jets even more that Sam Darnold might not be the guy? Because that looked a lot better than any of the Sam Darnold performances I've seen in recent history. Maybe. I mean, it's it certainly I hadn't looked at it from that perspective. That's a really good question. I mean, it certainly was not a feather in Darnold's cap. You know, like last year when Luke Falk was in there, Sure made Darnold look good. You know yes, what I mean? Uh-huh. Where Flacco, say what you want about him, he's a professional quarterback, and he probably had the best game of a Jets quarterback this week, this year. I'm going to tie this one in with the AFC East and the NFC West. This one from Grinter. He says, Can you guys reshuffle how the Bills and Dolphins compare versus the rest of the league after beating NFC West teams, which was supposed to be the best division in football? Stock up Bills really and Dolphins, buy- right? I mean, the, the Bills and Dolphins What's are proven. I mean, you got to be stock up on the Bills and Dolphins. The Dolphins have won three games versus NFC West teams this year. Right. And I guess we should tease it now. I mean, we're going to kind of do my midseason power ranks. And without giving it away, I did boost the Bills in a big way. You know, I, I, I think that that was a statement win. One thing about the Bills that's a little surprising is – they're seven and two, but they've only outscored their opponents this year by nine points, which is a little startling for a seven and two team. But I think Allen's playing really well. I think their passing game's legit. I keep thinking the defense will come around, and it really hasn't, but I still think that's out there. I'm really impressed with Miami. Their defense is really good. They don't turn the ball over. They're playing smart. They're obviously extremely well coached. I just think that they're a year away in terms of adding 
another off season of two early first round, two first round picks, another three or four free agents until that they have the, the real, the manpower to do it. Bonus question with the NFC West here. And it's, and it's something we haven't talked about yet was Pete Carroll's extension that was announced just before the game started Sunday. He's extended through 2025. Are you surprised, Matt? This question from uh, another guy who calls himself Pete. I think he's a Pete Carroll fan. Are you surprised that Pete Carroll's now signed through an extension when he's going to be 75 years old? I guess not. I mean, here's how I look at Pete Carroll is he is a fountain of youth, it seems, in terms of the way he holds himself and his energy. And everyone says that about him. And I look at, you know, this is not exactly what you asked, but the, the Hall of Fame coaches of this era, Belichick stands alone. Reed is number two now, clearly, in my opinion. But I think it's Carroll, Tomlin, Harbaugh, Peyton, in whatever order you want, as probable Hall of Famers and, you know, not all-time greats, but outstanding careers. But he's done it differently. I mean, they trade their first-round picks a lot. They, you know, were so run-heavy up until this year, and now they're the total opposite. So I give him credit for that, but isn't that kind of like a dollar short or a dollar late? You know, I mean, shouldn't you let Russ cook, you know, years ago? (laughs) And, you know, he's a defensive-minded guy, and they've done a lot to address the defense over the years, and it might be the worst defense in the league. Yeah, that's what's crazy about what's going on with this version of the Seattle Seahawks is it's completely driven by the quarterback and the offense, which is not the way it's ever been under Pete Carroll in Seattle, and the defense can't get it figured out. Like they, They've got massive problems, and if, and if they're held back and, and don't make it far into the playoffs, it's because of the defensive side of the ball right now. But it's interesting because right. uh, the question is sort of talking about age and, and how long you let a, somebody you know coach your team into their mid-70s, but it's like, look at what happens when you don't have a coach and you don't have a quarterback. And, and we just talked about the Jets and how bad the Browns were forever. You squeeze every drop of talent you can get out of that old rag, right? Whether it's a, an old quarterback we saw with Brady into his 40s for the Patriots and we're seeing with Drew Brees. And when you have that much talent, which is why I, I didn't understand the whole Green Bay Aaron Rodgers thing. Like you should you should have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. You should never draft a first round quarterback there uh, because in five years, he should still be your quarterback because you want to utilize that talent that you have that could be a generational thing and, and win as many games as you can while you have it because you look at the teams that don't have a great coach or a great quarterback and how what they would do to kill for a really good one. So, you know, yes, and then sign him into another five-year extension after that and into his 80s. If he still has that energy and his team's still winning, yes. When you have a good coach, keep him as long as you can. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, it's a great thing they have going. You don't want to rock the ship. That doesn't mean he has to coach for that long. He can retire at any time, I'm sure. Right. I'm sure it's not binding in any way. Yeah, it's good stuff. I mean, they really have put together something there without question. All right, more two-minute warning coming up. We'll make it the one-minute warning uh, the rest of the way so we can hit every division in the NFL. Is anybody out there hitting a wall? I definitely was hitting a wall today before recording this podcast. I broke through that wall with Built Go. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. Easy to take. One and a half ounce packages. You can put it in your backpack. You can put it in your glove box. You can put it in your golf bag. That's another place that I love to have a Built Go is on the golf course. Power you through the back nine. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It's like an energy drink without the same crash feeling 
because it's natural and it's better for your body. Three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. Built Go combines energy gel with collagen protein. Fast absorbing, gets into your system quickly, and it's easy on the stomach. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite your energy. Beta alanine, B vitamins, honey, and a little kick of caffeine. Go to BuiltGo.com. Use promo code LOCKED. You'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, Matt, I think we're going to have to come up with a timer, a little sounder here to to keep us under two minutes because we we never come close to actually doing two minutes. So (laughs) let's see if we could do this. And uh, I want to hear the latest that you've been hearing around Pittsburgh from Paul. He says... Big Ben and COVID, will we see Duck Hodges again? <laughs> I don't think. Oh, I, mean, no, I, no, I think no. I can speak for you that we won't see Duck Hodges again, but uh, what? who will we see if Ben is out an extended period, and, and what's the latest there in Pittsburgh? Well, here's what happened. is Vance McDonald, I guess, came to the facility on Friday and had COVID symptoms, which is anything. I mean, that's what's crazy about this disease is your big toe could hurt. Oh, you got COVID. You know, like – so anyone that has the sniffles or anything gets sent home, and that's you know, this protocol around the league. He got sent home, took a test Saturday, was fine, didn't you know? It was no, nothing, no problems. Gets on the plane, plays the game, played very poorly, by the way. If you watch, if you isolate on Vance McDonald, and then it pops up on Monday morning, I guess that he was positive. So he was around a lot of people, obviously, in that time, and Ben is one of them. Uh, Vince Williams is the other big name. They all got put on COVID today. Um, so, but all they have to do is they have to, if they can go, if, if any of those guys, and I don't think McDonald counts because he has a positive test, Ben and Vince Williams don't, they just have to go three days in a row with no positive tests. What you worry is other guys will pop up, you know, like yeah. that whole Titans thing. And, and that's the concern. If you're asking about Ben's knees, I don't think that's a problem. I think he's going to play no matter what. He's healthy enough. Um, the only thing that can keep him off is if a positive test pops up. So uh, I think you're going to see Ben versus the Bengals. It, you know, kind of like Stafford last week. I mean, this happens a lot around the league where they go on COVID on Monday or Tuesday. They get three days to come off. But what's weird is he won't be able to practice. You know, he's at home. You know, Stafford, I guess, did a bunch of Zoom meetings and calls at the line of scrimmage over the computer last week. And I'm sure Ben will do the same. He has always practice on Wednesday anyway, but if it were Rudolph is the two Dobbs is the three duck is still employed by the Steelers on the practice squad, but I don't think we'll ever throw another NFL pass. He is still employed. Okay. That was one of the questions I had because I wasn't sure (laughs) where where he ended up. Um, And the way I understand it is that, Ben Roethlisberger's locker is, is right next to Vance McDonald, right? It or, is. He, or he sat yeah, next to him on the plane or something. Right so, next to each other. Okay, yep. so they're close contact. And yeah, so, and it's not like they, they're playing a Thursday night game or anything. So you have plenty of time to get those few days of negative tests and be ready to play Sunday. If he stays. But I worry about the Cowboys. 
I mean, like mm. the Cowboys played against Vance McDonald, who apparently was positive and it hadn't shown up yet. You know, like that's what's crappy about it. Because the same th- exact thing happened a week ago with Marlon Humphrey. Marlon Humphrey had symptoms on Friday, played against Steelers. And maybe he tackled Vance McDonald's and spit in his mouth or something. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, or you know, trans, you know, and then nobody knows. I mean, like, there's no one to blame. It's just the tests aren't super accurate, and the disease doesn't show up right away, and everything's a symptom. So it's kind of messy, obviously. Yeah, that is a messy situation. Hopefully, uh, everybody stays negative with all of their uh, their future tests. So let's go to the NFC South. Should Raheem Morris keep the job in Atlanta? The Falcons are three and one since the coaching change. Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I mean, I'm open to the idea. It just feels like we were down this road last year, though. Uh, I mean, for people, a lot of people weren't paying attention, but there was two seasons for the Falcons pre bye week when their defense was just miserable. And then they changed everything on that side of the ball. And the defense was quite good from that point on. The Falcons won a lot of games. Um, they all kept their jobs. The status quo, we're going to not rock the boat this offseason. You guys finished the season super strong. And we see where that left them, you know, before this most recent coaching change. But that's a tough one to blow up because Matt Ryan is not easy to move. Julio's not easy to move. We had the conversation about quarterbacks. You're not going to probably get in the top five unless you mortgage many future first-round picks and whatnot. And then you're really thin everywhere else. And, you know, I think this is why the question was asked is since the coaching change, and people really think Morris is a very smart and capable head coach, they're three and one with the one being the game that Gurley couldn't stay out of the end zone they lost by a point like they really should be four and oh and you could say that about a lot you know you should win this game they should have won that game I mean they should be four and oh since the coaching change so what if they go you know end up as a nine win team or something I think it's possible do you ditch the guy or you give him one more year and run it back with Ryan and Julio and those guys I kind of lean towards the latter if it stays if this is a pretty competitive team yeah, that it's so much like last year. But yeah, it is. I guess internally they know what the difference is because Raheem Mostert or Raheem uh Morris was still Morris. on staff, yeah. right? So right, what right. changed about going from Quinn to Morris? Did they figure out what the secret sauce is? Because obviously there's too much talent on that roster for them to have been playing as bad as they did. So did they figure something out there? And do is there enough respect inside the building for Raheem Morris. And I would assume that there is quite a bit to say, look, we fixed this thing that was happening. And now we know what the team is supposed to look like and, and what that team is. And look, there's a lot of games left. Maybe they're even in that conversation for a playoff spot at the end of the year. I think it would take an exceptional run the rest of the way for him to keep his job. But uh, at this point, maybe inside the building, they know what the problem was and they fixed it, and they went from zero and five to a team that is that could have been four and zero since the coaching change. So, I, I don't want to say never, but man, it's it does feel a little bit like last year. Then next year we're in the same spot again, and it's like, gosh, we should have blown this thing up. Here's the other thing: is maybe you have to just looking at salaries and contracts, and look, you still have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, and they're not 
easy to get out of those contracts right now. So you might be locked into them through 2021. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. the situation where it's like, look, we can't really blow this thing up and rebuild properly anyway in 2021. So let's go and let's keep this going with Morris, keep this momentum going with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones. Then after 2021, when we have the opportunity to get out of some of these contracts, then we'll blow the whole thing up if it doesn't work. I I can see it going that direction. Yeah, it might be the move. I mean, and remember, before the coaching change was made, they were 0-5, but they were kind of the butt of all of our jokes of, you know, now the Chargers have taken over, of course, <laughs> yeah. of figure out how to wait, lose close games. I mean, remember that goofy onside kick in, in Dallas that they end up yeah. losing that game by a point, too? Like, uh, they're, they're just winning the close ones, the girly game aside. But I also just pulled up their schedule too, and this won't. This isn't really a factor of whether you keep the guy or not. But they really have a tough go of it. I mean, at the Saints, Raiders, the Saints again, at the Chargers, Bucks, at Chiefs, at Bucks. You got the Bucks twice, the Saints twice, Chiefs. You know, yikes! Ooh, I mean, yeah, we might not. It might be a moot point. Right? Your yeah, easiest games that's for the Raiders and Chargers. And look, if they come out the other end of that with a really good record, right. then maybe you're like, look, okay. Maybe we do have something here, we and, have and something. we did, yeah, yeah. and we fixed the glitch. Okay, uh, we're uh, we're pretty much that out of time. That wasn't two minutes. Here. Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely not two minutes. Gosh dang it! <laughs> so Actually, not okay, minutes. here's one that we can definitely keep quick. We have uh, we have thirty seconds to finish this. What are your thoughts? This one from R.J. Hollywood. I've, I've wanted to get this one. This was actually from last week that we didn't get to. Is twenty twenty one the year Jerry Jones finally gets Urban Meyer in Dallas? Whew. See, that's not a quick conversation. Gosh you dang it. think okay. that he's making a coaching change. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. They're, they, you do? It, you well, here's the thing. If, let's say, if they can get Urban Meyer in Dallas, then it's a change for sure, right? Yeah, okay. okay. So maybe he fields calls behind the scenes. You know, he goes up to the podium. Oh, we love Mike McCarthy. The, it was just a tough year and didn't have injuries, and we're going to bring him back, and he's our man. But maybe he's making calls behind the scenes, and if the right guy says yes, he jumps on it. I can see that. Yeah, I think too much has gone on behind the scenes when you hear players being vocal about the coaching staff not even being prepared. I think Jerry Jones does not like being the laughingstock of the league and the butt of jokes. He's going to make that switch. And if he can get a high-profile name in there, someone like Urban Meyer, I think it's an absolute coaching change. I mean, it seems like the most Jerry Jones move. I wouldn't object to making a coaching change. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. I agree. All right. Good stuff. Thanks, everybody, for your questions. We'll do it again next week. Tag me at BD Peacock on Twitter. Tag Matt at Williamson NFL. Matt Williamson's mid-season power rankings coming up tomorrow right here. Peacock and Williamson. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.